Hi, my name is Trinity French, and I'm one half of the coaching team at Wired to Change with the number two. We help you get your business to the level you want it to be at so you can enjoy the life of a small business owner. Ah, is this so fun? What a great <laughs> life it is. I'm here with one of my favorite small business owners. Gosh, when did we meet? This is about a year ago. About now. a year ago. It was actually probably right about a year yeah. ago. And you were almost a client of mine. Didn't quite work out, but yeah. we stayed in touch. Yeah. And we have since done some really fun things together. Totally. So with not much further ado, my very, 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 very special guest, Mr. Anders Varner. How's it going? Hi. This Welcome. is awesome. Yeah. We're in studio. We're Feels in, so good. We are here at the Purple Comma Studio. And this is where we host our podcast. I love that you say uh, the the great life of being a small business owner. Why is that? Because <laughs> sometimes it's not. <laughs> sometimes it really sucks. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's really hard. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about that a little bit because That's I'm awesome. going to ask you about some of your greatest challenges that you faced. Yeah. But before we dig in, I know quite a bit about you because... I follow you online on your Insta, which yeah. I love. Thanks. And I also stalked you when you were first referred to me. Yeah. So, but nobody else knows anything about you. Yeah. So let's tell them who is the man behind the mystery. Um, yeah. My name's Anders Marner. I am, I own a company uh, called Barbell Shrug Fitter TV. Um, yeah, we're, we're a fitness media training company. Um, started working out when I was 13 and somehow I've kept that going for the last 24 years. And, um, along the way I had some pretty cool experiences, owned a gym, um, started and sold two fitness companies. And, um, now I have one of the larger podcasts in the health and fitness space. You do. Um, how many listeners and downloads do you have? Uh, in the past seven years, we've had 40 million. So it's That's a pretty, awesome. it's a weird number to think about. It is that that many people like, listen to you yeah. on a regular basis <laughs> it's always interesting i think one of the weirder ones that i ever came across was somebody came up to us and was like my parents always listen to you like in the car on the way like when we have long road trips and yeah. i'm like oh no because then i just envisioned myself like as a kid listening to like talk radio, radio. my dad's listening to talk radio and you're like can you tell can we just put on music <laughs> these people suck like i don't want to listen to them i don't want to listen to this and sucky podcast yeah, yeah. Like, no one wants to listen to working out talk and now that's me so well i was always wondering who really wants to talk about business and listen about business but then i'm shocked like yeah. a couple of months ago i got my first fan mail there and i was like so excited to have a fangirl it, yeah. like i felt like i had finally made it social media is really cool because people really can connect through there's a lot of parts of it that i don't like at all but one of the very cool parts we have a we've got a cool audience and the fact that people reach out and, you know, share the show and are actually able to talk to me, like I answer all the stuff and um, people are always just really grateful. Like, I feel like we, we make a, a, a difference in people's training journey and help them figure some stuff out. Um, I think that like the best compliment that I ever get when we're doing it is uh, when people say that they feel like they're kind of like a part of the conversation and they, they feel like they want to tell their story along with it. And then they're just kind of like driving in their car yeah. and, and talking to their windshield, like <laughs> feeling antsy, like they want to say something. I um, want to be a part of this. Yeah. I mean, no matter how many downloads you have or whatever success you have or any of it, it's like, I'm, I really am just a, 
a dude that likes working out a lot and being in gyms and um that's that's like my home and i have somehow found a way to be able to do that and get paid for it yeah, yeah. and which is it awesome works it's but good. you're right. Some days being it's a business owner is really, really difficult. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's tons of challenges. I mean, as you grow a business, um, you know, I've, I started a gym in 2010, sold it in 2016, started another online training company. And along the way from going from like no business experience to six years later, actually having something that somebody else wanted to purchase from us is one of the just coolest things that I never knew was possible. Um, I never even like really set out to do that. It was purely just this like happenstance of um, just showing up every day and really trying to be good at what we did and, and meet people where they're at and, and build something that mattered in our, in our town. Um, and then you kind of look back and you go, wow, that was like a seven-figure business we were running. That's right. crazy. That is and amazing. Most people like just don't, uh, especially in fitness, like right now, people are getting crushed um, by like they're the not fact even that allowed to everything's closed down. Yeah, right. And they still have to pay rent. They still have to make it somehow, and people are scrambling and. Um, I know our gym's trying to provide online content. Are you and still at stay. O2? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Which, man, they pissed me off when we were working out together that one time. Yeah. And they were, like, trying to kick <laughs> us out of the gym. <laughs> Being a personal trainer to you. That's right. Um, they must have seen that I was a novice. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think that this being a small business owner is really just like you show up every day and, and you really try to just, um, do your best, but making a very conscious effort to do your best is, is there's growing a team's hard, scaling a business is hard. Keeping costs down is hard. Finding out like what actually works is really challenging. Um, and, and all of those little pieces that go into it, um, there's no, there's no like easy, easy route to it. No, it takes time. It takes energy. It takes internal motivation. There's yeah. no boss there whipping at you, telling yeah. you what you have to do. You're the one that has to get up and be excited totally. to jump out of bed in the morning and to yeah. also make those hard decisions yeah. on when is it the right time to hire somebody? When's it the right time to fire somebody? Yeah. And those things can really weigh on you if that's not your background. Yeah, I think everybody, you know, I, I deal with this all the time right now in that, um, you know, the reason you like you open a business rarely is the reason that you stay in business or rarely the reason that it actually grows into a business that you're proud of. Like When we started our gym, it was like, I just wanted to be in the gym. I just wanted to train. I just wanted to coach people. And, you know, it doesn't take long before. Now you're building systems out to make sure that new people can get caught up to speed to hang out in a class with more advanced people, mm -hmm. making sure the advanced people still have enough to keep them motivated and keep them moving, making sure that all along the way, everyone's thought of how do we have entry intro level classes to get people um, moving safely and effectively? Uh, how do we get all of our coaches on board? And now all of a sudden, you know, the beauty in most of small business from what 
you know, a decade. It's this month is actually 10 years. Exactly. Uh, July 5th was the day that I actually opened the gym, uh, in 2010. And it's really like, a it's like a lifelong course really in like personal development really, because every time something goes wrong, it's your fault. Like you didn't create a system or you didn't create enough depth or you didn't hire the right people. You weren't looking for the right personalities and it's all your fault. And it's really hard right now because, um, man, I hope there's not any gym owners listening to this, especially in the brick and mortar, because so much of what's happening right now, like, isn't their fault. Right. But it's totally their fault that they weren't prepared for something really bad to happen. And our business is purely online. And it's even, it's, it's awful to say sometimes, but it's great for us. Right. Like our business you're is probably, you're gaining market share at warp so speed and for, for everything crazy. to happen. Yeah. Um, and one of our previous podcasts we were talking about, you know, that just like when I was training financial advisors and yeah. I would always say, okay, before you can even buy an insurance policy or put money in your 401k, you have to have a safety net. Yeah. You have to have money put away. And the number of small business owners that do not have a plan yeah. or a safety net in place, they don't have, you know, six months of working income yeah. to survive on if something is going to happen, which they should. They should have money in the bank and some savings built up and trying to, I don't think anyone could have foreseen COVID. Like totally. this is just bizarre. Um when we walked in today, like we gave each other a huge hug and I was like, ah, okay? human contact. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but yeah. at the same time, there's ways that people isn't could even like six months isn't going to cover what's going on right no, now. That's it's the not. really crazy part. Um, and I can only imagine because even right now we've been adjusting personally at home. Right. So I have a new bike arriving. Nice. Um, I'm doing a Peloton hack, you know, with my Sweet. iPad and everything. Yeah. We have been working out at home and doing things that, you know, before I hated working out at home, I'm a gym person. Yeah. I like being around other humans, but okay. At the same time we had to shift because yeah. I can't go to my gym. It's not open. So what are, I don't have any other choice. And now that I'm actually putting my home gym together, it's like, ooh, okay, I think yeah. I can. Now like, it's cool. Now it's cool. And I kind yeah. of like that I don't have to do anything on anyone else's schedule. Totally. And if I want to just go sit on my bike and, yeah. you know, put a couple miles on while watching something on my iPad or yeah. listening to your podcast, I can totally do that. Yeah. I think that that's like the, you know, on the, on the business side of it, it's, it's not the gym owner's fault that like, uh, like COVID-19 shows up and now all of a sudden you're expecting to be part of the stage two opening and then you get pushed to stage three and stage two gets extended twice now. Um, but it is on the gym owner to be building their email list and it is on the gym owner to be able to, to pivot into what is now going to be the future of what it your gym's going like yeah. it's there's offering a chance outdoor it's classes not going to and we're not excluded from that like our company is called barbell shrugged and nobody has barbells so all of the programs that we had created over the last seven years are basically nothing like we can't sell them because 
nobody has the equipment to actually do them. There's no gyms for the first three or four months. So we had to completely pivot and change everything about what we did. And we launched 12 programs in 14 weeks just to find out like where the market was at and test where people can, can see themselves training. How do we make it fit into the schedules? Because the majority of our audience is in the 25 to 45 range. So it's like, okay, these are the people, the majority of those people are going to have kids at home. They don't have daycare. Mm -hmm. How, how, how are they fitting fitness into their lives? And you just start throwing darts. And if gym owners didn't want to get into the online space, like you're kind of being forced to do that now. And you may not understand it all, but you have to start throwing darts to figure it out and stay alive. And I think that that's like a, the difference between kind of being entrepreneurial at, at your heart of like, well, this is just the new game and we have to go figure out the rules and we got to go figure out the players and we got to go figure out how to, how to play. Right. Um, where a lot of gym owners just see themselves as just a gym owner or I'm just in the fitness space. I'm just a personal trainer and they're, they're not really malleable to whatever the environment is or, or the situation that we find ourselves in now. Yeah. I, I'd be really curious to see the statistics on how smaller gyms are faring versus larger gyms. They're doing a lot better. Yeah. Because I can only imagine that they're able to pivot a little faster, be, um, they're not dealing with corporate or, yeah. um, even though the larger gyms have more financial resources packed behind them. 24 hour fitness went out, went bankrupt. Really? Yeah. They're, I mean, someone's going to buy all the assets and come in and chop the debt and get scoop it up super rate. cheap. Yep. Um, yeah, 24 hour fitness. There's a lot of gold's gems. Those are kind of like the two big players, but O2 has been out, um, since this whole thing, the, the difference between, uh, kind of like this, the small boutique gym right now is that the owner of that gym can go sit down and talk to a single mayor. So all the gyms in apex right now that are small boutique gyms are pretty much open. They're mm -hmm. just kind of doing it a little differently. Yeah. They're like either outside or they're inside, but with taped off squares, there's ways that people are making it work. Um, which is great because they're, again, they're just being flexible and, and still trying to provide service to get people in. Um, but it's, it's tough. I mean, you gotta, it's, it's not what people so, signed up for. And it's so weird that I can go out to a bar and go drink but I can't go to my gym where they're Wait, constantly, the I mean, they had the bars open. Now it's just like cut off, like alcohol's cut off at 11 or something, but that I could go, totally I no could sense, go day drink. I mean, yeah. I can drink just as much during the day as yeah, I like can a, at night. Yeah. Bar restaurants are open, something like yeah. that. Right. But not just pure bar. Right. Like the, like, like the yeah. nightlife bars are yeah. all closed down. Um, but but my gym where they're constantly disinfecting things and sanitizing things. Yeah. And I mean, I work out at a nicer gym facility where you can't go in there without seeing people wiping down all the equipment. Yeah. And well, those, so O2 or like golds or 24, like the big larger chain, um, corporate gyms are up against like a different set of regulations in that they have to, they're spread out so across multiple states. So they have to like play by a different set of rules than somebody that can come in and be a small, small gym that right. can go. I mean, I, I know that my gym owner has sat down with like the mayor of Apex wow. and been like, we're a wellness facility. 
And all you have to do is be a wellness facility to be open. Physical therapists are open. Chiropractors, chiropractors open. Yeah. Open, and that's all very hands-on. So if you can convince, if you're small enough and you're able to get in front of the right people, you can still make it work. It's just, you got to go work. Mm-hmm. You got to make it happen. Which is what being a small business owner is all (laughs) about. Totally. (laughs) So when you were starting your gym, thinking back 10 years ago, what would you say was your, the, the trigger that you felt like, okay, I'm ready to do this. I totally wasn't. Um, I mean, I really had just, it sounds weird because I was only 27 years old at the time, but, uh, I was just in like a super depressed place. I had just gotten my MBA, um, broken up with my girlfriend. I graduated my, I got my MBA like six months before I was supposed to, uh, cause they had just started creating these things called like online classes. And I realized <laughs> that I could take double the course load in half the time because nobody really knew how to teach online. And the, I think the rules were like, do a, you do your class or you do your homework, you post it, and then you have to engage in some conversation with people. And that was like all that mattered. So all I had to do was the work, fake some conversation, and they just handed me a degree a year and a half later once I learned about them. So I did a year of in-person class and then a semester where I just overloaded my my schedule. But um, yeah, I broke it up with my girlfriend. I had nothing to do. I really didn't want to go back to my corporate job. Um, it's kind of one of those things where I just, there was only really one place that I was happy and it was always the place that I was happy. It was always the place that drew all of my best friends have always been my training partners. Um, it was the place that I was most respected. People wanted my opinion the most. I probably should have been doing it my whole life, but, or like, been a professional of some sort, been a personal trainer of some sort. All of my friends always came to me asking for training advice, but I never pulled the trigger on any of it uh, until I just got to a place where I didn't want to do anything else. And I would have just basically lived in poverty just to be in the gym. I just refused to do anything else. So then I asked some people for some money to start a gym. (laughs) It was also one of those times where I knew that I was going to be successful. If that sounds weird, um, CrossFit was like just starting to get popular. Um, so that was a relatively safe bet. I also knew that I was, um, I had the personality to be able to like stand in front of people and tell them what to do, run, run a room. Mm -hmm. Um, which is kind of funny because my first outside of just partying and having fun and being around people a lot. Um, I tried to use that skill to be a stand-up comedian for a night. Uh, (laughs) I would pay money to have that on tape somewhere. Yeah. It was really just at the time, just the nine to five was not for me Mm -hmm. at all. Um, there's no hustle in it really. I'm sure there are, there is for people that are motivated. Well, my feeling about the nine to five, cause I've done that. I yeah. did the corporate thing. I worked at Northwestern mutual, worked my way up from the receptionist to running, you know, the training department for all yeah. of Eastern North Carolina. Um, 
And the more I hustled, the less money I made. Because mm. if I hustled and put in more hours, I was on a salary. So I was actually making less money. Yeah. And I was like, well, this, and then I just hit the ceiling and they're like, no, there is no more money to be made. Like you're literally oh, at the wow. very top of the pay scale and that's it. And I was like, huh. well, I'm teaching, I'm literally teaching people how to make hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. And I'm looking at my bank account going, <laughs> well, this, match. this, the harder I work, yeah. the less money I make. And if I put hours into it, that doesn't matter either. That's interesting. So and I had built a bunch of systems, traveled around teaching people how to put systems into place. Yeah. And I was like, that was really fun. Like I yeah. loved doing that. So it made sense to stay with the coaching and training aspect of what I yeah. was doing. And it wasn't until, you know, I found an ad on literally on Craigslist and I was like, this is my dream job. And then I was off to the races yeah. and I didn't know that there was a job out there that someone was willing to pay me to do the things that I really love to yeah. do. It's nice for and to that. give me, yeah. And to give me the ability, you know, most people are like, I want a salary. And I was like, no, he was like, if you grow this company, you get a portion of what the company makes. And I there was like, go. boom, sign, where do I sign yeah. up? And it was lucrative. It was fun. It was challenging. Yeah. And the more that I figured out how to do things better and smarter, the more money I made, not how many hours I was putting in, Yeah, which was, it's awesome. It was amazing. It's nice when you find that. Um, yeah. I don't think that I'm any more or less special at all about any of it. Like, I think I you're just, super special. Thank you. Um, I just kind of, for some reason, I just like finding out how good I am at things. And I mean, that's just part of, in a way, all of this really started when I was like 13. I, I left home when I was 14. I left home to go play ice hockey. Uh, I went to boarding school and all of it. That was probably the first time where I, I really took like the big leap and, and bet on myself. And it's, it's always just been, well, if I try really hard how good can i be at this and you know you play sports and then you kind of hit this like wall of well these people are actually really good mm -hmm. and a lot of other things um but mainly they're, they're just really good right and the beauty in business is you don't have to be you can there's only one jeff bezos but underneath that, there's a lot of people that are incredibly successful that have great lives and you can choose this path and work really, really hard at it. And you can kind of decide how far you want to take it and how much you want to grow it. And, and what is, you know, have that real conversation with yourself of defining your own success and the trade-offs of life and work and everything else that, that goes into it because you have to build a team at some point. So you find out who you are, the things that you like to do, what you want to contribute inside your own company and everything else gets outsourced. Everything else, you find somebody that's good at that thing. Um, and that becomes their job. And, and I think that's actually an area that's often overlooked and people feel like they have to do everything on their own yeah. versus outsourcing and utilizing the resources that other people have available. Yeah. Well, it's really hard right now because especially so, you know, the majority of what I do with the company is just, uh, it's just marketing and it kind of goes back to what I was saying and that 
I got into this because I wanted to train in the gym and be in the gym all the time. And what I really do is I, I'm like a copywriter um, and I make videos about working out, but it has very little to do with actually coaching people. I actually have uh, one of my neighbors comes over to the house and I train him for free just because it's I don't fun train to work anybody. out with somebody. Yeah. Like, and yeah. I don't train anybody. So I actually have a client. <laughs> it makes me feel like I have, I'm a real trainer. Right. Um, <laughs> it's like twice a week he comes over and we just hang out while he works out and I kind of organize it and whatnot. But you learn very quickly where the sticky points are and you start to also become comfortable with is handing things off. I mean, there's, and then at some point, even the things that you're good at and enjoy doing, you need to get rid of those because you just need to be getting the right people in the right place. Um, and there's never going to be a time where you aren't touching the business and not having control and overseeing everything. But ideally, you're able to work on, you know, relationships and building a team. And those are things that are going to be relationships being internal and external for business development and, and all of that. But um, those really should be kind of like the only pieces after a certain amount of time that you that you touch. Right. Do you ever look back on when you're getting started and think, man, if there was one thing I could have done a little bit differently. Like all of the things. <laughs> there isn't a single thing I did well at the beginning outside of maybe just creating, creating a culture. I don't know. Which that alone really is hard. really difficult. Most people might have a good idea or a good product, but they have a really hard time creating a culture around what it is that they're growing. Yeah. And I think picking that culture is probably, it's an interesting one too. Like the business I'm trying to grow now and that we're building now, I want to be very, not very distant, but I don't want it to be built around my personality because then it becomes very, uh, You're stuck in it's it. not, it becomes less of an asset when I am the voice that matters. Yeah. Um, and that's part of us just building an education platform for strength and conditioning versus people like me and they want to buy from me. Right. Um, instead, I'd rather just be known as like the leader in strength and conditioning education. Um, and that way we can take the pieces that we really like, which are podcasts, creating content, um, writing, stuff like that, that I, I actually really enjoy. Um, but it's less me on my phone entertaining people stuff like that just is really really not what I want out of business at all um so yeah building a culture of just in 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 the we almost have to talk about it in like three different parts of each business and and the the transformation but the very first one was like a hundred percent built off of my personality um my work ethic the way I thought that working out should be very, I can look back 10 years ago now and say it was like very ego driven in that I just wanted to be the man. I thought I was so cool. You get knocked down a bunch of times, of course, and that starts to slowly dwindle. But um, yeah, the, the, the business we're building now is, is very, very focused on education and the content we put out is very educationally focused. Um, that way, we're creating like a library of the way people can do things and entertainment's a massive part of that. But 
we kind of had to have these core tenets of educate and inspire and entertain with education. All, we always have to be teaching. We always have to be coaching and helping people along their journey. The inspire piece is making sure that they're always taking action and they're, they're walking away with some sort of piece, some sort of like tangible thing that they can take with them and implement into their lives. And then we have to make it fun. So people want to come back. Um, if we can do those three things, I think that we do a really good, we're, we're able to do a really good job of just keeping people engaged and connected to, to what we're doing, what we're building, why we're doing it. Um, and those, I, I, it feels good when you lead with education versus personality. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting that you say that because when I first started working at Hunter Row and was doing all of the coaching and recruiting, people were joining the firm based on either my personality or Mike, the owners. Yeah. And it was, that was one of the hardest lessons for me to learn was how to duplicate myself yeah. and make it about a process and a system versus about yeah. me. Because I was like, I can't, if we want to grow, I can't personally coach and train every single person that comes Absolutely. through the door. Like it's just not humanly possible. Yeah. You would hit a point where you have to have somebody else that's able to do that just as well, or if not better than you do. Absolutely. And I really struggled with that. It's hard because it's so many good things come out of like eliminating the ego that is attached to success or um, just being in the spotlight. And it's hard to get away from that because it mm -hmm. feels good when it's on you. But I remember specifically with the gym, uh, there was there was a moment where I just I realized that the whole thing had been built on. It's not that we weren't good at what we did. We obviously were very good at coaching. We were very good at all this. But it, it's, it's that moment where you look and you go, I'm never going to. Things happen, right? You get married. It's like. I'd like to spend more time with my wife and you go, well, that's going to be really hard if my work schedule is 6am to like nine o'clock at night. Right. And at, when am I going to spend time at home? Never. Never. That's cool when you're single. Right. And the only time you have off is in the middle of the day and I get to go surf and I get to go hang out with my friends. But once you try to become a real human, what happens to your business when you're not there 12, 14 hours a day? Now you have a problem. And that's the personality driven stuff where people like want to come in. They want to see the owner. They want to shake hands. They want to high five. They want the laughs. They want to be entertained. Um, and then when you take that out, the pieces start to fall a little bit. The coaches don't have that extra snap. The energy does the, the gym just doesn't have the same energy. And that was when I realized, oh man, we need like legitimate systems. The coaches need to understand how we greet people at the gym. Like there needs to be an actual system created for how we say hello to people, how we make them feel in the first three minutes. So we used to do tons of role playing and tons of like coffee shop talk in a way. Mm -hmm. I always called it the three minute conversation in which we basically like would no matter who walks into the door, we should know the top two or three things about that person 
so that we can make them feel great, that we know what's going on in their lives. We've got these overriding things that these people do on a regular basis that we can talk to them and make them feel known, make them feel great about their day, welcome them into the gym. And what is it the same thing every day? Basically. Right. But it's the most important things to those people. Do they have kids? Where do they work? What do they do? What do they do in their free time? And we have these systems built in so that we can have, I call them the coffee shop conversations, because if you walk into a coffee shop and see somebody that's an acquaintance, it's awesome to walk over to them, say like, oh, well, how are your kids? How's baseball going? It's awesome. That's great. I love that their practice is going great. They tell you a cool story and then you walk out. It costs you two to three minutes, but you just made that person's day amazing. You made them feel welcomed. You're interacting. It's all warm. Everybody's smiling. So if you can master those three minutes, everybody feels great when they walk in the door. And just, I mean, that's three minutes of potentially somebody being at your gym for an hour and a half. And now we've got to dominate for the next 90 minutes and, and hold that conversation and to be able to get an entire coaching staff to understand the importance and have them grow along with the gym, it takes systems. It's really hard to do. Yeah. But at the same time, like it's like when you go to the same Starbucks and they know your order and it's they the best, know you right? and you're like, Haha, I'm kind of a VIP. Yeah. Like, so you're giving everyone that VIP treatment totally, and they're going to enjoy their workout that much more because now they feel like they're, special or part of it they're part of it yeah Yeah. which is just fantastic client service yeah for and teaching your team how to provide that great client service because really hard i would probably (laughs) say that for the most part you and i do that a little bit naturally i practice it yeah i practice it all every time i go somewhere i mean it's really a part of life to try to improve people's days that you encounter Mm -hmm. going into the coffee shop is this awesome interaction where you have a back and forth for a very short amount of time. Can you make that person stay better? Have you asked them like genuinely ask them, how are they doing so that they feel like you care? Are you on your phone staring down? Like there's so many things that we people in general miss because they're just not trying to improve the frequency of just uh, the amount of love that is in the room over and over and over again. And it's really easy stuff. It's the little things like really going in. I think one of the, obviously I I talk all the time. We have a podcast, Um, but my voice, if you could be just a little bit louder and a little bit happier in the way that you greet people, you can make people's day so much better. Mm -hmm. And they genuinely become happy and you can practice it over and over and over again with just these small interactions. And it makes a massive difference in how people react to everything you do. Like you can create crazy cool opportunities. You're going to get a free coffee significantly more often if you walk in and you're just friendly, friendly and nice and smiling. Yeah. Yeah. And when you turn that into a business, you're going to get more clients because you walk in and people feel good being at, doing, you know, doing your programs, being a Mm -hmm. part of your gym. It's so interesting to me because one of the things that I make sure to do when I'm meeting with a new client, and I'm pretty sure I did this with you because your name's very unique, but Mm -hmm. even if their name's not, I always ask them what they like to be called. Yeah. And I, the other day I was talking to one of my clients, his name's Steven. 
And I noticed that his wife calls him Steve. And I was like, Steven, you know, what do you prefer to be called? And he was like, well, my friends call me Steve. He's like, and you're a friend of mine now. So I really like it would feel more comfortable if you called me yeah. Steve. And I was like, perfect. And now I'm like, hey, Steve, what's up? Yeah. And it's like our little inside joke. And it makes him feel really good totally. because it's not his formal name that he gave me when he met me to be one of my clients. That's it's, awesome. And it's just a little something that means... If you wrote it on paper, it means nothing. Right. But when you add the humanness to it, it means everything. Exactly. And that's something that makes him feel more connected to me. Yeah. And also helps him to feel like I truly care about him as a person. Yeah. Not He's not just a number. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really, I really feel like people should practice it. Like they should. should. I'm thinking of all practice. the things that I need to practice right if, now. <laughs> I, I feel like I practice, practice is like the coolest thing. That's the coolest concept because everything that you do, if you be just buy into the fact that you're trying to layer quality habits and good, um, goodwill, that in any situation you should be able to go in and get better at it. And saying hello to people is a very simple way to, like a very basic skill that it you is. should be getting better at. We were out to lunch, dinner, I don't remember. Anyways, we haven't been eating out hardly at all because COVID. Yeah. And we finally were coming home. We actually were looking at some houses, my husband, Scott, and I. And we were like, oh, man, we've been out looking at houses all day. Let's go get some food. Yeah. So we were both feeling like Greek was the way to go. We walk in. I noticed that there's some, like, dirt on the floor, Right. Which really bothered me because yeah. I'm walking into a place I'm about to eat, but <laughs> I didn't say anything to him. I was just like, eh, cause that's probably something that would bother me more than it yeah. would bother him. And we walk up to the counter and the gentleman at the counter is on the phone taking someone's order and never once looks up Looked or up. acknowledges us. Yeah. And I look over at Scott and he is just like getting, and he's like, I can't believe this guy isn't saying hi to us. Like <laughs> it would take him two seconds to just look up and acknowledge us. Does he know we're here? And it was like really yeah, annoying him. And then, so he finally acknowledges that we're there. Just general and friendly. And it was like that, yeah. that first, like you said, three minutes that we were in there set such a negative tone that then when our food was ready, they hadn't put the French fries down. Yeah. And when the, you know, um, the food wasn't really, I'm like, oh, this is like crappier than I remember it ever being. I'm, I'm probably never going to go back and eat there again. Yeah. But had he been really nice, I probably would have been a little bit more lenient about how the food came yeah. out. So it's really all about those little yeah, touches just, that make people's day or, totally. or just annoy the shit out of you and now you're like <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm well, you, never going back to your freaking restaurant yeah and you have control um of the situations in a way that um if you were to say like three minutes to somebody it doesn't seem like a long period of time but the amount of time if you were to sit here and just be quiet for three minutes it's an insanely long time and if there's enough time to say hello and there's enough time to be waiting for your coffee or waiting for your order or whatever it is, it's a massive amount of time to really influence people's day. Like I really mm -hmm. think that there's just a frequency that people operate at and you can 
be positive, you can be happy and you can elevate that frequency or you can be pessimistic and you can be negative and make that frequency not as cool. And if you're constantly trying to just elevate the frequency at which we all operate, you just fill the room with a lot of love and people are going to be attracted to that. Uh, like It's like your subconscious kind of just fills the room and, and creates opportunity because more people want to be around you and therefore the more people want to be around you, the more opportunities are, that are going to come to you. And that's just. I mean, it's the law of attraction. Yeah. It's what you put out comes about. And we talk a lot about that on the show. Yeah. Because I'm obsessed with good juju, <laughs> which totally. is what I call it. And putting good juju out into the universe. Yeah. And even when, you know, I had something happen recently and um, one of my really good friends, they wound up not using me as their real estate agent. And it like devastated me yeah. for a hot second. And Scott was like how are you not more mad? And I was like, man, if I start putting that out into the universe, it's, gonna, it's, not it's gonna just, come back it's well. just going to, yeah. So I was yeah. like, you know what? It is what it is. And I'm just going to move on with my life and my yeah. day and not let it just fester. Yeah. It, that's just in a way to like part of being a business owner is you just have to force that because there's never going to be a time where all of the relationships with all of your employees is perfect. No. All yeah. of the content is always going to have something wrong with it. And if you just sit there and focus on all the negativity that is going on or could be going on or might be going on in the future, uh, it just beats you down to the point where, I mean, we see this in every, right now, if you really believe in like the frequency of our world and the amount of juju that is floating through, we operate at a really negative frequency right now in that you go online and it's just negative everywhere. And it's really hard to find the positivity. And once you start seeing the negative over and over and over again, you start to do this thing where it's like you, you take sides and you don't have a choice because you read someone's opinion. You're like, well, I don't really believe in that or whatever, whatever they're talking about. They seem angry. And then the next person's angry. And now you've got, opinions about their anger and now without even thinking about it you're putting negativity into into the world and the more you do that the more angry you get like nobody has ever sat there and watched the news for three days without having negative opinions about the other side of politics or riots or covid like i don't even want an opinion on covid this is just the world I live in right now. I can't control any of it. So who cares? I can either participate in the negativity or I can just go live my life and try to do the best that we can. And no matter what my opinion is, there is no, there's no way that I get to affect the outcome of any of it. Like, do you think Miss Governor Cooper like, cares what I think? No. Right. But I can totally affect the positivity and the, the outcome of the happiness of my family. I need to be focused on my business. And when I work with people, I need them to know that I am, I'm, I'm doing my best for them. We're going to find good solutions to their health and fitness problems. Like that's what's genuinely important. And if you, it's really hard right now because everywhere you look, there's just negativity about everything that's going on from race to politics to pandemics to riots to police brutality like it's 
there isn't a single thing right now that isn't dividing. So to be, to stand alone by yourself and not be a part of the negativity makes you an outsider to literally everything that is being discussed everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's lonely out there. But as soon as you buy into all the negativity and as soon as you start having opinions, now you're just a part of the problem yourself. So stay out of it. Like just as hard as it is being a part of the positivity and just trying in every aspect that you can to just raise the frequencies is it's, it's the best way to go. I think that's some of the best advice that we've probably ever gotten on this show. <laughs> nice. And I am so glad that you used Juju. <laughs> there you go, right? <laughs> well, this has been super fun. We are going to wrap it up for today, but Beautiful. we will be back with Anders again. So don't worry. You're going to get more from this handsome gentleman, <laughs> this buff dude. Um, and if you would, please, 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 if you had fun listening to our show today, go out there and share us because someday I aspire to be at Anders level and have just as many listeners and downloaders and subscribers as you do. You That's my small personal mission. Yeah. Um, and of course we are super happy for you to contact us info at wired to change.com and Anders, if somebody wants to follow you, where can they find you at? Uh, Anders Varner on social media, all of them. And then we're barbell shrugged, barbell underscore shrugged. And we put out two podcasts a week, Monday and Wednesdays. And they're fantastic. Yeah. I am a listener and subscriber. Go. So Beautiful. yeah. Um, and we look forward to seeing you next time on our Wired to Change podcast.